Welcome to Typhoon Talks, brought to you by Typhoon Consulting, a boutique management consultancy headquartered in Hong Kong. My name is Elena, and I'm an analyst here with the firm. Today we are joined by Dr. Andy Chun, a leading artificial intelligence pioneer in Hong Kong and global technology visionary with over three decades of AI innovation experience. He is currently an associate professor at the Department of Computer Science at City University of Hong Kong. Good morning, Dr. Chun. Good morning. So today we're going to talk about how artificial intelligence does not only transform business operations, but also becomes the building blocks of the future smart cities. So in our previous podcast, we have focused more on the negative sides of artificial intelligence development. But in these episodes, we're trying to show how people have already benefited from the application of this technology and to show its potential to completely transform the way our world functions. So although we know that AI became a popular topic of discussion fairly recently. You know, we, we see the appearance of it all over the TV and the internet, and most of the startups right now try to claim that they have some sort of artificial intelligence built in in their uh, technology operations. As far as I remember, this technology has been successfully transforming our way of living for over these three decades. Is it right? More than three decades, definitely. Oh, really? Yes. So, just speaking out of your experience, which aspects of our daily life have been already impacted by AI? Well, AI has been gradually impacting daily life for quite a long time. Uh, sometimes very much in the background, you just don't notice it. But in recent years, it's become a lot more uh, visible. Mm-hmm. Just to take a device that everyone has, your smartphone yep. is basically a huge AI machine. Basically, everything in there has some sort of AI. For example, you know, use your face or you use yeah. your fingerprint to yeah. uh, turn on your phone. That's uh, that's uh, AI uh, pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you speak to your phone, that's AI voice recognition. Uh, if you 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 write text and it interprets your text, that's natural language processing. If you open your calendar, understands your appointments, reminds you, that's also AI. <laughs> that's really useful and the list just goes on and on. Basically, nowadays any software. If it doesn't have AI, uh, you'll be bored because it's not smart. So when we say you know people like to use particular application because mm-hmm. it's smart, it knows things, it does things for you, understands you. So you know AI is basically you look at any application these days. AI there must be some sort of AI. Yes. So it's not how we usually imagine AI as some sort of really highly, you know, high-tech technology that just been developed a couple of years ago and made that boom. It's actually something that has gradually evolved to be what is now, as you said, you know, recognition cameras and our phones or some programs on our computers, right? So talking about bringing AI to more of a bigger scale rather than consumer products, academics and politicians across the world have been increasingly advocating for the introduction of AI in hopes of solving overarching problems within the cities. So based on some examples from your previous experience, how was application where AI able to solve problems related to maybe logistics or healthcare, immigration or heavy traffic, which is really common for the big cities right now? For any uh, big city or uh, any large organization, there is always a lot of, uh, lot of resources. Mm-hmm. that you need to manage. These resources could be space to put things, inventory, or it could be uh, people resource, it could be uh, trucks, cars, uh, 
or it could be uh, or it could be time. So resource is a valuable commodity for uh, for any uh, business or, or government, and making very uh, productive use of these resources increases productivity, increases efficiency. You provide faster service. You provide higher quality products and services, and all that requires a lot of intelligence. Uh, intelligence in the sense that you have to juggle. Not just two balls, three balls, but like a、yeah. hundred balls at the same time.、Exactly. So humans are not good at juggling hundred balls. Exactly. <laughs> but AI can do that、um, very easily. So that's one area where AI could contribute in 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 improving、uh, or or transforming a company.、Uh, more and more now, they we call this business transformation、mm-hmm. or digital transformation. And what that really means is that you know once we have a lot of data. About how an organization operates to very fine detail. So nowadays we're beginning to have an organization that knows a lot more about what's going on,、uh, what kind of products people buy, what kind of services, how well they're delivering it,、uh, the efficiency of their operation. The second is what are you do about it to improve upon that. Humans、uh, are not good at digesting millions or billions of data element, and that's where da- big data comes in. And then once big data analyzes, AI comes in to do. I don't know optimization,、mm-hmm. problem solving,、uh, you name it. A lot of intelligence. So that basically, I always tell、uh, you know students, the role of AI in digital transformation is to have a organization. Or a company run as efficient as a finely tuned、yeah. Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah, so talking about efficiency, I'm pretty sure you your way of、uh, complete breakdown of NHS system in the UK specifically because it's so inefficient in managing its finances and managing its staff. So do you think introduction of AI would help maybe NHS or any other healthcare systems、um, across the world? Well, AI has a big role to play in healthcare.、Uh, You mentioned about uh, uh, those are more of the backend、uh, systems, but I mean,、uh, in terms of healthcare, AI. A lot of people see AI is going to make a big impact to、uh, the lives of human、uh, beings in general because with AI, we have a much better understanding of individuals'、uh, healthcare needs. And what we've been doing before is to treat people once after they have problems,、mm-hmm. but with AI, we can predict. Whether or not a person have likely like、uh, likelihoods of heart attack or various cancer, and then advising them for treatment before they get sick. So I mean,、uh, some people jokingly said that in the future, humans no humans will ever get sick because AI <laughs> will help you prevent you from getting sick in the first place. So that's one area is improving、uh, people's healthcare. And 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 the key thing is that you know you can't manage what you cannot measure.、Uh, what that means if you don't know what's going on, you can't really do anything about it. And it goes for healthcare as well because we're getting more data points,、um, more data readings from you know the healthcare devices, you know the things like smartwatches, Fitbits,、mm-hmm. with more data in a very continuous stream. We're able to better predict what's going on in the human body and, and provide、uh, advice. Yeah, so I, AI, AI would prevent people from、uh, or reducing the number of people getting sick in the first place. And then second, in the, when you talk about uh, uh, NHS, is、uh, we would be able to better allocate limited resources. There, your resources would always be limited in terms of hospitals, beds, nurses, doctors. With AI, we could decide you know which cases are most important, how to allocate people. A simple example is、uh, emergency room or surgery. Uh, 
rooms, you know, how do you allocate that so that there is no waste of time? And so in terms of operation, definitely mm-hmm. AI can, can, can help as well. And I guess similar can be applied to traffic congestions, right? Definitely. If, if we definitely. have previous historical information about how many cars come in, to the specific crossroad yes. at certain times would be able to manage that more That's efficiently. That's precisely the point. Historical data understanding of how traffic varies from uh, different days of the mm-hmm. week, different hours, uh, holidays, uh, uh, etc. Plus, combine that with real-time data to verify if it's following historical patterns, we can make better uh, adjustments to traffic lights, better flow of traffic, and, uh, and, and definitely, you know, one of the key applications for smart city is in now in transportation. Transportation is a big yeah. problem for any large city, and then you know slight improvement in that area is already amazing. So I mean, definite advantage with AI is that uh, it could process a lot of information and use all that information to bear when they make any predictions or suggestions or diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So I think our biggest problem right now is environmental problem. So is there a way in which artificial intelligence would be able to help governments to maybe diminish the impact of environmental problems? That is a, a tricky problem because uh, it, fact, it has factors that is not in the control. But what we could do with AI is that, you know, with uh, we call it uh, Internet of Things, and people are beginning to, you know, call it Internet of Everything. Yeah. Uh, with that, we basically have more information about uh, data about, you know, um, uh, environmental factors, uh, you know, uh, pollution, pollutants. And with that information, uh, we can better predict, you know, whether there is pollutants coming our way or whether our own factories might be producing pollutants and then have uh, contingencies ready, uh, you know, basically, first of all, announcing that Mm -hmm. so that people who have uh, breathing problems can stay indoor and then uh, having, you know, potentially hospitals getting ready for admission of people who might get sick. So uh, from, from that point of view, AI could, could be a better predictor of what's going to happen mm-hmm. and then also raise awareness so that people be more prepared. Definitely. So obviously, we expect more and more cities to start adopting AI technology just because it's everywhere. And as you said, we can definitely see how helpful it can be in tackling multiple problems. So what do you think are the biggest challenges cities would have to face when trying to adopt this kind of technology? I, I think the technology part is the easiest part because technology, uh, AI technology in many areas such as you know big data yeah. and, and, and deep learning have, have matured to a point that is you know, readily uh, available. I think the major challenge is uh, first of all the skill set whether or not uh, the individual cities have adequate skill sets trained to make use of these mm-hmm. technology. And second is really a awareness of the value of AI. Uh, I, I think you know, Hong Kong's doing very well uh, in terms of promoting AI. And then the, the, the advantage of a large city is that once you do something, even something a small impact, it's gonna scale to the to millions more, yeah. of people in Hong Kong. So whatever small thing we do, it scales very quickly and, and the benefits be enormous. What if we imagine that the city has implemented the AI and the key feature of AI is data. Government would have to somehow get the data from its citizens, analyze it, and then make certain predictions. But we don't know exactly how AI analyzes the data and whether the prediction it makes would be biased or not. Do you think that's that's definitely a, a problem? Yes, you raised several important <laughs> points. First of all, is there data? 
And uh, because uh, that is collected by different parties, government collects mm-hmm. that out, corporations collect that out, even individual organizations. Uh, the key thing with you know having smart city work is that people are willing to share data. Yeah. And uh, and, and they're sharing it in open standards that uh, other people can reuse. So this is something that Hong Kong is still struggling. It's getting better, but we're still struggling struggling with that. Uh, once you do have data, is uh, are you sure those data points are correct? So there would be a process where you have to really verify and cleanse, we call it cleanse the data mm-hmm. so that you know it's, it's accurate uh, because garbage in, garbage out, <laughs> you yeah, have incorrect exactly. data. Then you have incorrect uh, predictions and decision making. And then once you have the data clean, you know, there is, uh, it's cleaning not, not just for accuracy, but you have to clean it for potential biases. It's unfortunate uh, in our human society, uh, people still, uh, there will be some certain degree of biases in, in the decision making, and that reflects on the data. And you know, besides cleaning it for accuracy, we have to clean it for to remove any uh, biases, uh, if, if there is any. So this is these are major challenges. Although it sounds uh, straightforward, it is straightforward, but it's not easy to do. Uh, it is actually a, a big chunk of time that people spend on just making sure that data is is in the right format and clean. And let's imagine we've put in the data. The AI made a prediction based on this data. And let's say the person would decide that he wants to extract this data from the AI and, you know, this person just doesn't want government to use his data anymore. Would it be possible? Oh, yes. Uh, well, so, uh, first of all, back to the previous question I forgot to mention. You mentioned about black boxes. Yeah. So uh, depending on what AI technique you use, if you use deep learning, uh, which is a form of uh, machine learning that mimics uh, human brain, if you use deep learning, uh, then currently uh, it's more of a black box. And what that means is that the AI may, uh, may exhibit intelligence. You give it a, uh, a face, it recognizes a person, but we don't really know exactly what goes on inside that, that black box mm-hmm. to make it to give the correct decision. So uh, that is one challenge that we're, we're struggling is how do you know, the, these AI deep learning uh, machines could offer some sort of explanation on why they think uh, certain things happen. And that's important because uh, people are using uh, AI for, uh, to make you know, uh, uh, major life decisions uh, that might impact people. For example, diagnosing people with exactly. cancer or in other cases in the United States, they use AI to determine uh, the length of jail sentence. So uh, it, it better be able to explain why. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the other question is, if you want it, uh, the government to, or a, a organization to delete uh, information, which is part of a GDPR requirement in, in Europe, is that uh, consumers have right to ask a company to uh, remove their data uh, uh, if they do not uh, want the company to have their data. Uh, this is what, what people call the right to be forgotten. Yeah. Uh, with Depending on which AI uh, approach you use, some AI approach you, you deal it by just deleting data entries, mm-hmm. uh, but very often it, it's not that easy. Even if you don't use deep learning, you use machine learning of any kind, basically we have generalized and extract uh, abstracted knowledge based on your data. Mm-hmm. So removing the, the, the raw data doesn't remove the knowledge that's already gained. Exactly. And, and, then, uh, and then if you use deep learning for face recognition, uh, it's, it, currently it's practically uh, very hard to, uh, to remove everything from... from it's, it's, it's because the deep learning mimics the human brain, 
you can imagine for a human being, if you know someone and you try to forget someone, <laughs> it's extremely hard to yeah. do so. So it's the same situation. It's very hard to, to forget someone. Yeah, so as, as, soon no, as soon as knowledge is produced, yeah. it's really difficult to completely extract it unless you basically have to demolish the whole machine, the, whole, really the whole intelligence behind that. Isn't and it? relearn from scratch. You mentioned Hong Kong is doing quite well in terms of AI and application of AI, not only in the private but also in the public sector. But talking maybe 10 years in the future, who do you think would be the leaders in AI research and development? Because obviously we know China invests a lot in it, but investing a lot doesn't mean that the result will actually be applicable. So what do you think? Is it going to be similar um, high-tech countries like China or Germany or Japan, which are leading the tech world right now, or do you think it would be more emerging countries like China, Hong Kong, maybe even India? It's hard to predict uh, because all countries see AI is, uh, as a very valuable technology uh, for not only for a citizen, for its national security. So uh, uh, governments and corporations are investing heavily uh, in AI these days. So it's basically a race. But um, China has several things going for it. Uh, first of all, you mentioned money, <laughs> so there yeah. is a lot of investment in AI these days. Second is um, is data. So uh, China has a tremendous amount of data, and uh, the mindset of the average citizen is that they're willing to for uh, forego some privacy rights for for convenience. From that, data is readily uh, accessible uh, in China, and data, of course, is very important for machine learning. And then the, the third factor, I think, is that China has, has one of the fastest growing aging uh, population. Uh, they don't have the manpower uh, resource. So they're, they're also looking into AI as providers of more intelligent healthcare, uh, basically more scalable approaches mm-hmm. to solving the, the aging problem. So you think China would be, might be one of the leaders because they have so many problems that AI is a solution to. They they would be almost forced to uh, invest and research and develop uh, AI applications to solve them. Definitely. And, and then the other factor that's very, very important is, is a national strategy. So the whole nation from the leadership to uh, throughout the whole government to all the businesses and citizens willing to use AI. So the, the, the momentum and the vision that uh, Chinese leadership have provided have encouraged a lot of new startups in this area. So this, this leadership in, in leading uh, more development, encouraging development, encouraging startup is something that I, I, I think you know, uh, China is doing a bit more than other countries' governments are doing. And do you think Hong Kong would be able to keep up with it or get some you know, tackle-down effect from it? Well, Hong Kong is doing very well, actually. Uh, Hong Kong, uh, the recent uh, Scopus, which is a, a database for research uh, uh, papers, uh, did a uh, study, and Hong Kong ranks the number three in the world in terms of a recent AI mm-hmm. paper that has high impact. So we're, we're, we're doing pretty That's good. That's impressive, especially comparing the, the population numbers between Hong Kong and China. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's a yeah, pretty amazing achievement. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Chun, for such an in-depth insight into artificial intelligence and obviously its possible applications for the future smart cities. Can you maybe give our listeners three key takeaways on application of this technology? I think the first takeaway is that... Uh, 
in certain areas, AI is very mature. Things like chatbots, uh, face recognition, natural language, and so forth. Uh, having said that, I think my second point is that uh, we still have a lot of areas to work on. When we imagine AI as in the movies, where it's this highly intelligent being, we're really far away from that. Mm -hmm. And what needs to be done to get us there is uh, what we call um, artificial general intelligence, basically putting common sense in AI. And unfortunately, auto common sense seems uh, easier uh, for humans. Uh, we, we are totally lacking that in AI. And then the third point, I, I, I think, is that uh, AI is not just about technology. It has a lot of other concerns, you know, moral aspects, ethical use, uh, are there biases? There's, there's, and then there's other. Should it be regulated? Should mm -hmm. be, are there laws in place? So there's this uh, whole ecosystem of things that's non technology that there's of law and ethical use that we need to explore as well. So I think those are three key points. Thank you a lot. That's all we have time for today. Follow us on iTunes and SoundCloud at Typhoon Talks for more podcast episodes. Also, please visit our website at www.typhoonconsulting.com for more industry points of view. We hope you'll join us again next time.